0: Live in the entertainment capital of the world. It's the T.C. Martin Show. It's been a great third down defense the last two weeks. For Steelers, and got Steelers an
1: interception and a run back all the way home. It's Blaine with the touchdown, the pick six.
0: It's time to get your daily prescription from the
2: doctor, T.C. Martin. Mahomes drifting
1: downfield season. Jeff Heath comes away with it. And he could go. tripped up by Mahomes inside the five.
0: The doctor is now in. Hour number two on a Monday afternoon quarterback edition. T.C. Martin. Ballpark Frank. Nunchuck on the other side of the glass. I want to thank Steve Berline for joining us. Hour one. You can catch that interview in its entirety. Go to the website a little bit later on today at tcmartinshow.com. Also get involved. In the William Hill mobile app, it is so easy to use. The in-game wagering options, it's all there for you. A lot of fun to use, especially as we get ready for the playoffs. And you can earn yourself an additional free $50 when you open a new account at any of the William Hill Sportsbook properties. Use the promo code TC50. Real easy to do. Download it on your phone. Go to the book, deposit money. Deposit at least $50. They will match it with another $50. Use that promo code TC50 for Free fifty dollars in your account. All right, so a lot to do on this Black Monday, so to speak, and again, uh, Black Monday for those teams that are not making the playoffs, like the Raiders, which they knew they weren't, but at least they they ended the season, I guess, on a, on a good note. Uh, I thought they were going to lose the game. I wasn't really watching this game yesterday, but I heard you know they fell behind thirty one to twenty four with a couple minutes to go. Uh, they rallied back, got the touchdown, and what's John Gruden do? Go for two at the end with twenty four seconds to go. Why not and why not and uh, Car to Waller, they get the job done and they win by one, which is just the opposite of what happened last year, if you remember their last game in Oakland, same thing uh Denver uh they scored and they 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 didn't get it last year, and they ended up losing and again they they break the streak of what uh, nine years in a row that they've lost their their last regular season game crazy also breaks a personal
1: string of his in denver not having very much success
0: yeah yeah that's true that's that's true but uh you know. I don't know about you. If you watched any of this game, I just... watched
1: some of it when the other game that was on at that time got completely out of hand, right. and I couldn't discuss it. That's why it actually was painful for me listening to that. You know, return to the show when they were saying interception since the Bears dropped like three of them in their game. Yes, yes, yes. It was it was uh, not 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 pleasant reliving that. But yes, I did see the end of that game because of other circumstances okay. going on.
0: So th- the end of that game. With like I said, the Raiders scored with 24 seconds to go, and Josh Jacobs goes in from the one-yard line to give the Raiders the lead. Actually, well, they were they were down by one, but then uh, they went for two and they and they got it. But I was wondering if anyone was having any flashbacks to last Saturday at Allegiant Stadium with Miami, when remember the Raiders scored a little bit, you know, too quickly, and that was the big thing. Was that going through Gruden's mind at all? Because as this thing turned out, you left the Broncos 24 seconds. They got to the 50-yard line and with nine seconds to go, attempted what could have been a game-winning field goal in altitude with one of the biggest legs in the National Football League in Brandon McManus, and they attempted a what was it, a 67-yard, no, what was that, 67 or 63-yard field goal, which McManus could have made. And can you imagine, if he hits that, what you're feeling like again. And Max Crosby got a hand on it. He blocked it. Actually, it was a second block that Crosby had because at the end of the first half, McManus was going to try to break the record with a 70-yarder. It was too low. Crosby blocked it. So two big blocks by Max Crosby. But I was just wondering if Raider fans felt like, oh, my gosh, here we go again. I I don't know if they did or not. I thought
1: it was interesting when one for the two and one for the win right off the bat. But, but, you know, it's interesting because I was thinking, well, if they kick the extra point, how aggressive does Denver get or do they just play for the overtime with the kickoff? Being down, obviously, they have to go for it and try to set up a field goal. So, yeah, I mean, there wasn't a ton of time. But, again, when you listen to Gruden, and I don't completely disagree with him, from the week before about scoring and that it's like it wasn't necessarily the wrong decision it was absolutely horrific execution on that final play with the face mask and the completion combination that just destroyed them and let Miami win a game in as miraculous a fashion as the Raiders had done against the Jets a few weeks earlier so yeah um I I guess it's one of those things that it certainly would have been second guessed in question in that but If you can get that touchdown, especially when you're going for the tie, or in this case, in Gruden's mind, the win, you got to take it when you can get it. You can't take it for granted
0: that you're going to get it in the next play. It goes back to last week, though. You always try to get six or seven or eight instead of settling for three. So, and again, that's we talked a lot about that last week, and that came under scrutiny. Yep. But it was – uh yeah, straight. And I don't blame him going for two because you see a lot of teams go for this. Uh, Doug Peterson, doesn't matter if you're playing a playoff game, a non-playoff game or whatever, Doug Peterson's going to go for it. The m- most inopportune, crazy times, inexplainable times, but – you see teams at the end of the season with nothing to play for. They'll go for it on, you know, 4th and five, fourth and six, fourth and 9. Oh, you saw a ton of that,
1: yes. The Bears had, had converted four consecutive. Yeah, I think 5 four out of thousand. 6. 5 out of 6 and, and then they missed the one on an yeah. absolutely horrific play call, which would have kept them in the game. But, <laughs> yeah. but, yeah, no, I mean, you do see that kind of stuff. And, again, you know, with the Raiders, The problem for them the majority of the season hasn't been the offense, so why wouldn't you? You have weapons like Waller and the Mm -hmm. other guys out there. I mean, why not go for two? I think that's why they
0: did it, though, too. I think they said, hey, we're going to go for two because I don't want to go to overtime with this defense. Or like you said, maybe that last possession – just needing a field goal, let's. You know, I don't want to put it on our defense. I'm tired of this. Let's yeah. just let's just go for two and yeah, let's go for it and see yeah. what happens. And, yeah. and
1: we'll go to a pro and and Waller because breaking an all time Raider record as long as they've been around with the receptions yeah. and that having another good game, uh, it's a chance to end on a positive note. And worst case scenario, if they don't if they don't make it, then you try an outside yeah. kick. And and they're not as successful as they used to be because of the new rules. But they still even had a chance if they didn't get it
0: yeah. to win the game. You talk about going for it on fourth down. I was all over the, the television yesterday watch, watching all these games. And I don't know if you saw this or not, but Tennessee's playing Houston. And Tennessee had a 16-point lead going into the fourth quarter. And Deshaun Watson and Houston led, led this team back. Tennessee had a lead there, and they were at midfield, and they went for it on fourth and nine. And why you're going for it on fourth and nine is beyond me in a game that you have to win to get in the playoffs and to clinch the division, the AFC South. Why wouldn't you just punt it on the five or ten yard line You know, late in the game? Why would you do that? Sure enough, fourth and nine, they didn't get it. And Houston goes right down and scores a touchdown. It is beyond my comprehension. I mean, we'd see coaches all the time. Punt on fourth and inches, fourth and one. And now we're seeing fourth and five, no problem. Fourth and nine in a playoff meaningful game that has all these implications and you're going for it. And it
1: almost cost him yesterday. Yeah, if there's poetic justice, it probably should have cost him. But again, sometimes coaches get a little bit creative, and I'm sure that if they would have lost, it, it would have said, "Well, we were going to to lock it down and you know get that you know the the knockout punch and, and make nine? sure we get the win." But it doesn't make any sense to me yeah. either. I, I completely yeah. agree with you on it. Yeah. And, and if you're that upset about your defense, then you have massive problems, like you said. Now, maybe he looks and he goes, well, did you see what our defense did after we didn't get it? They marched right down the field and got that. Yeah, but still, if you're putting them inside
0: the 10, you're hoping it's going to be a lot harder for them to do that. Yeah, and the way this thing ended, the the Sean Watson back with Houston yesterday, uh, they ended up uh, tying the game, and then uh, Derrick Henry. I mean, holy moly, this was crazy. The guy needed 223 yards to break 2,000. I know a lot of people thought, well, he's done it. you know, the last two games against Houston, can he do it again? And you'd think, you know, we talked last week about Houston and J.J. Watt's comments and everything. Basically calling out all the Calling out everybody. Hits. And for the most part, they played hard. But defensively, oh, my God, they got shredded again. Henry ends up with 250 yards. And then when uh, Tennessee was getting ready to put the game away, Uh, They fake the ball to Henry, and Tannehill goes on a five-yard keeper with less than a minute to go, actually about a minute 40 to go, gives them the three-point lead. Houston comes back and ties it at 38 to, you would think, send this game into overtime. But no, Tennessee against that Houston defense, uh, Tannehill finds A.J. Brown. He catches it around the 15-yard line, and they're going to have a chance to win this game. And I know a lot of people were very, very nervous, so they tried on the field goal kicker, and it wasn't Steven Gaskowski, who is their normal kicker, because he's out with COVID. So they're bringing in this ham and egg-er to, to to kick it, and even Derrick Henry and Tannehill are saying, man, I, I hope this rookie puts this thing through. And here's what it sounded like yesterday. Uh-oh, is it Cody Parkey? Is he back? For the chance to host next week. <laughs>
2: can't make it up you can't make it up unbelievable he hits the right upright
0: unbelievable well it wasn't cody parkey because that one went through and it wasn't a double doink. i'm sorry and it wasn't sarah fuller either that's true exactly <laughs> but single doinks you can get through double doinks uh, a lot harder god that was a it was a crazy game and it meant everything to tennessee and meant nothing uh, to houston and Houston, another one of those teams looking for a head coach and a general manager, for for that matter. But uh, All right, so let's uh, take a look at what, what uh, I saw yesterday. You, you mentioned the Bears game. The Packers ended up winning 35-16. to Rodgers, phenomenal again, 19 for 24, 240, four touchdowns, a quarterback rating yesterday of 147.9. And then on the other side, Mitchell Trubisky, no touchdown passes, one interception. And that it, was a
1: bad, bad interception. It, it was a
0: bad interception, but – I don't know about you, if you were looking at this through your your Bears shirt and your Bears hat and your Bears glasses and your Bears underwear, whatever you had yesterday, but did you really get the feeling that the Bears were going to pull this off? Because I think the Packers punted maybe, what, two times all day yesterday? The Bears' defense did not impress me, but their offense was rolling.
1: They were looking good, and they had opportunities. Like I mentioned, the Bears dropped three interceptions, two easy interceptions. So you mentioned what a great game Rodgers had. Part of that game that he had that was so great was because the Bears blew opportunities for turnovers. They get those interceptions. Maybe it's a different game. The Bears actually were in this game. Now, obviously, the final score completely just, you know, got completely out of hand. And the Packers won, and congratulations, they deserved the win. But the Bears had opportunities. As a Bears fan, not looking at it through rose-colored glasses or anything, but I did see some positives. I I see Trubisky playing better. Montgomery is becoming a really good running back. I I saw him. But the defense, and the one thing I hate is when I hear somebody say, well, that's why he plays defense because he can't catch the ball. B.S. (laughs) It's your job to get it when he throws it right in your hands. And those are missed opportunities. And then, of course, what happens? As soon as you miss an opportunity like that, You know Rodgers is going to complete the next one for a touchdown or some big gain on a first down and that. You can't miss opportunities like that. It's a game where those kind of things come back to haunt you. The final score the Packers won. They were most likely the better team. But the Bears were right in this game for a while. They're in the playoffs. Can they beat New Orleans or 10-point dog? Probably not. But they've certainly played better the last few weeks. But to me, and again, it pains me to say this, Packers are the team to beat in the NFC, for sure. There's
0: no doubt. And back to Rodgers. We talked about he's 19 for 24, and you talk about those two gift, uh, you know, could have been interceptions. Two gifts and one other one that would have been a great play, but there were three plays there. Right, three plays, right? So you take away those three passes, and this guy's 19 for 21. That means – and those other two went off his receiver's hands – he was on. I've never seen anybody. Oh, in the first half, he
1: was absolutely. It he was
0: amazing. He was as close
1: to perfect as I've seen yeah, a quarterback yeah.
0: getting in that first half, and, and near the the perfect quarterback rating uh, as well. Yesterday, so uh, teams that are staying hot. We mentioned the Packers. We got to talk about the Buccaneers as well, too. They put up forty four. I wasn't sure how they were going to respond with this game. We heard Bruce Arians say that, hey, you know, we 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 want to go out and win. Eleven and five is a, is a lot better than ten and six. And they spanked Atlanta yesterday. Brady was near perfect himself, 399 yards, four touchdowns. They claimed the the number five seed, so they stay hot. And this is a team that I really haven't had much faith in during the course of the season because, again, these slow starts. But slowly but surely, they're starting to play better and better football. And now, once we get to January, we get to the postseason, I'm not counting Tom Brady out. And I'm thinking myself that this Tampa Bay team, could be the second best team, even though they got the number five seed, just because of the weapons they have and the familiarity. They're starting to grow with each other. They're starting to really get it because they've been on what a five game win streak now. I mean, they are really putting this thing together. And I will not discount, you know, Brady. And it doesn't matter if they're going to be on the road or not. But uh, I, I'm thinking, you know, even though New Orleans was impressive yesterday, thirty three seven, you can say, well, they really didn't have much to play for. But you know, Breeze was out there. But, you know, not overly impressive. Alvin Kamara, tremendous. I don't know. I just think this Saints team is susceptible. And we saw it last year. The Vikings went in there. NFC North, the team beat them. No one gave the Vikings much of a shot. I'm not thinking that the, the Bears are going to do that. I think the Saints are really going to be focused on this. But, again, the Saints aren't that dominant team that people think. Well, no, they're
1: not, and and you still have questions about Breeze, how healthy is he is in that. He's been banged up a lot this season, um, so we'll see how that plays out. But you mentioned Tampa Bay having to go on the road, and I know it's only one game, but the first game they're going on the road, but they're going to Washington. Yeah. You know, they're an eight-point favorite on the road in Washington. And don't give me that, well, you know, they're a team from Florida. Tom Brady didn't play most of his career down in Tampa Bay. He doesn't care if it's a little bit, uh, you know, nasty weather or something like that. He's kind of used to that. In fact, he kind of thrives in that. So, yeah, they are an interesting team. Like you, I don't know how good they are. They seem to have had a hard time against the good teams. But at least in the first weekend, in the wild card weekend, are they playing a good team? They're playing a team under five hundred. Right, right, right. So so you would have to think that they should have a little bit of momentum and they should get past that game. The numbers telling you that and what you've seen with your eyes this season is telling you that. And, again, Washington – it should probably be New York that they're going to play against. right? Because if, if Hurts doesn't get pulled in the game, Washington might not even be there. So there's a lot of things to look for right now with Tampa Bay that have to have you excited if you're a Buccaneer fan. The inconsistency is definitely scary. But like you mentioned, they're playing better now at the time of year when you want to play better. And they do have a guy who's had a little bit of playoff success in the backfield
0: for him at quarterback. Right. How crazy is this that you have two teams that we're talking about here going to play you know, basically sub-500 teams. So, Tampa Bay's going on the road to play a team that's below 500, and the Saints will be hosting a Bears team that is 500. Two teams in the playoffs, 8-8 uh, and 7-9, and, seven and nine, it, it, it's crazy. Totally crazy in the expanded version. Well, and that's one of the reasons, too, because of the expanded well, cause version. Well, because the Bears wouldn't get in. They'd be number, they're yeah, the number yeah, seven Yeah, team, be the first out. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but still a division winner below 500 in that horrible division. It's true. All right, looking over at the AFC yesterday, uh, Buffalo, we talked about this. Buffalo was a 3.5-point favorite early in the week. This game closed at Miami favored by 3.5 because I think some betters got some bad information here that Josh Allen was going to sit out this game or at least maybe only play the first quarter because they were pretty much locked into the number two seed. They needed Pittsburgh to uh, lose, but they had all that information Sean McDermott had the information that Tomlin was going to sit Ben Roethlisberger and everybody else. Not everybody else, but a lot of the key guys. James Carner did start, but, you know, he didn't play that much. And Buffalo just crushed the Dolphins yesterday, 56-26. They had 28-6 at halftime. Tua was terrible again with three interceptions. And Miami, 3-14 for 14 on third down. Never in this game. What a disappointing performance. So I don't know when they got word on Wednesday that Ryan Fitzpatrick was not going to play, that this team just they started hanging their head because we talked about last week at that game at Allegiant Stadium, that offensive line, everyone was jazzed when Fitzpatrick came in the game knowing that he was not going to be available. Then we talked about on Thursday and Friday about him not being available to tutor Tua, you know, on there on the sideline. Man, I mean, if Miami ever had a golden opportunity against a Buffalo team that he thought maybe might have taken it for granted. Uh, they choked big time in this game.
1: Well, if Miami did hang their head or weren't mentally ready for this game, then that's 100% on them because you had a chance to try to make a run for a playoff spot there against a division rival. I just think uh, two
0: is incapable. Yeah. That's what I think. And, and, yeah.
1: and I agree with you there, and that's what I was going to say too. It's like, yeah, Fitzpatrick wasn't there, and as we mentioned, not only didn't you have him out of the bullpen, you didn't have him there, him there to tutor. You didn't have him there to, to be in the ear of the young quarterback and get things done out there. And I also think Buffalo came into this game as kind of a statement game, saying, look, everybody's talking about a lot of teams out there. People are talking about Buffalo, but I still don't know how much people respect Buffalo or how much they've seen of them. They came out there with a purpose to say, look, we're going to end this season on a positive note going into the playoffs. And they absolutely put a hurtin' on the Dolphins. They absolutely eviscerated them. They they crushed them. So, you know, I mean – Kudos to them. Now we'll see how it plays out for them in the playoffs. But, no,
0: Buffalo looked great yesterday. No, and I love that, too, where a team is going wants to keep the momentum going. Because, honestly, I mean, no one's probably hotter than Buffalo. You know, because Kansas City won all of those games – but again, they hadn't done it convincingly. They hadn't beat anybody by more than a touchdown. And then again, they decide to rest everybody and they get blown up by the Chargers yesterday. But Buffalo continues to roll. And here's another team that I don't think hardly anybody is talking about. And that's the Ravens. Thirty eight to three. Talked about part of the best bets uh, along with Buffalo and the Packers yesterday. Is that you know, lay twelve, lay thirteen against Cincinnati, no problem. But this Ravens team, they've won five in a row. They closed it out on a high. And I'm very interested about this game next week with the Ravens because, as we know, Lamar Jackson went 0-2 for 2 in playoff games, hasn't been able to get the job done, but they are playing so good right now. Do you believe in the Ravens? I don't believe in the Ravens until what you said. Lamar Jackson yep. shows me he can do it
1: in the playoffs. I mean, when you've been fooled so many times by the same guy out there, how can you really trust him? Do I think they can beat Tennessee? I think they can. I think they should. I think they're a better team than Tennessee. But their goal isn't to win the wild card round. Their goal is to go far beyond that. I I still don't believe in Jackson in the long haul of things there. Maybe this is a season. Sometimes when you don't believe in somebody is when they step to the forefront and they get the job done. But until
0: I see him do it with my own eyes – I can't trust them. I totally agree. Totally agree. I, I've been waiting for them to make the playoffs and bet against them once again. But and I think a lot of people uh, are going to be a little bit fooled about this Ravens team. Like I said, they've won five in a row. But guess who they've beaten? Their last five victories, Dallas, Cleveland, Jacksonville, the Giants, in Cincinnati yesterday. And again, not still a big believer of Cleveland. And that was a high-scoring game. But look at those teams that they beat. I mean, stink, 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 and stink. For the most part, you know? So, yeah, they, they're they going to have to do it uh, against a Tennessee team that is experienced, been here before. I agree with you. I'm not sure how good Tennessee is as well, too. And, again, a – Almost choked that game away yesterday against Houston. Tennessee's been so up and down all yep. year. It's, well, like, it's the
1: defense. Yeah it's, yeah, it's like when you start believing in them, then they have a complete stinker. Then you think, okay, they're not that good. Then they beat somebody they probably shouldn't. Uh, again, there uh, I, I have teams that I call Jekyll-Hyde teams. Mm-hmm. I never know if Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde's going to show up, and that's right. what I see in Tennessee. Now, maybe if it wasn't the situation we have right now, maybe it would say, well, you give them a little bit of edge because they're at home. But what does that mean these days?
0: Right. Yeah, with no fans, it means absolutely nothing and we go back we talked about the n f c least you know title championship last night with the Redskins defeating Philadelphia the way Washington they did defeated Philadelphia.
1: What would I say? you said Redskins <laughs> <laughs> Are they the Redskins? <laughs> I, I, they're I don't in Washington, so. right? I I believe they are in Washington. Okay, okay. But um but Jay Schrader, was... Jay Schrader, and Charles Mann are not playing for them anymore.
0: They're, so oh, okay. they're currently just the Washington football
1: team. Yeah, not the not club. club. Yeah. They're the team. But,
0: uh, let's let's remember that. Very nice. <laughs> but okay, that was one ugly game last night, right? It but, wasn't pretty. But which one was worse? The Giants and Cowboys earlier in the day, or that one? That was god-awful, too. The Giants and Cobbs were oh, horrific. And what God.
1: McCarthy's doing on some you talk about decision-making in games, hey. and you talked about it all the time in Green Bay when he was up there. Maybe I don't remember it as much because they were still yeah. beating my Bears, which always just just left me gagging yeah. and wanting to hurl. But to see McCarthy and some of the – it's like, how the hell does this guy – you have to have a great team behind him for him to win.
0: What the hell is he thinking half the time? Again, him and Peterson. It's that it—that school thought. They all come from that same tree. I don't get it. I don't understand it. It's not no. even because of analytics. It's, it's just because of stupidity. I know. And again, Andy Dalton was terrible yesterday. Atrocious. And as bad as the Cowboys were, they had a chance to win the game. Dalton throws the pick in the end zone with 115 to go. And even... Uh, after that, they had they had a chance. But you know what no one's talking about in that? Oh. You mentioned the pick in the end
1: zone, yeah. and I agree with you. The and he was throwing it up. Well, no, I mean, it's like, okay, it was third down. You think maybe you throw it away because you still have a fourth down, but he was trying to make something happen. The second down play. <laughs> the, the receiver dropped the ball on right. like the three. Right. Now, I don't think he would have got in. He was going to get tackled immediately. But you set up third and goal from the two or three as opposed to him having to make that ridiculous play, and he just shakes his head like, oh, yeah, my bad. The the announcers didn't talk about it. They didn't show the replay of it. It was the easy. He hit him right. You mentioned how bad of a game Dalton had. He hit him right in the hands. Yes, yes. And no one's mentioning that. I think we just did. <laughs> I'm watching. I'm screaming at my TV. My neighbors all think there's an insane man living around them. And they, might, they might, have, Th- they might be onto something. That's accurate. They might be onto something. I was
0: going to say, your point is? You know. <laughs> I mean, at least I have my Coke to calm me down. Yeah, exactly. yeah right. <laughs> Coca-Cola, that is, by the way. Yeah, for, Yeah. you sure? Your neighbors aren't saying that. They think it yeah. could be something I, else. I have enough sinus problems. Thank you. Maybe I think it's R.C. <laughs> Real crappy cola. Hey, mm-hmm. Royal Crown. Come on. That's a Midwest thing too, man. Come on. that's us pick in the Midwest. I'd rather RC have Crown cola. Royal than Royal Crown. Yeah, I bet you would. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so that's what we saw yesterday in the uh, NFL. So a, a lot of craziness yesterday. So when we come back, we're going to talk to Matthew Holt. And uh, he's going to talk about uh, what it was like for the betters yesterday at the books. And then we'll also look ahead to some of these games coming up on Saturday and Sunday. A little bit strange. We've got a, what, what do they call it? The the super wild card. We've got at least what three games on Saturday, three on Sunday, which I'm loving, by the way. Yeah, because of the expanded uh, rosters. Yes, only one team gets a buy. There you go. That's that's fine. That's some more action to bet on, which I like. That's good stuff. All right, so we'll uh, dive into that as well too, and uh, talk about some NCAA basketball news as well. NCAA makes a uh, very bold decision. We'll dive into that as well too. It is the TC Martin Show on a Monday afternoon quarterback edition. Turn your head and cough. Here's the doctor, T.C. Martin. Don't forget, get on over to any of the William Hill Sportsbooks. Get the mobile app. Here's how you do it. You get the mobile app first on your phone. You download it, and then you go to one of the great William Hill Sportsbook properties. We'll tell you to go to the Cosmopolitan, because that's the best one. And a uh, deposit leaves $50 in your account, and they will match it with an additional $50 if you use the promo code TC50. That's right, free money to play with, NFL playoffs this weekend, college basketball galore, and uh, of course, uh, it's all there for the NBA as well, too. Use the promo code TC50 and get the William Hill mobile app for a f- free $50 in your account. William Hill Sportsbooks. All right, join us now is our good friend Matthew Holt. We talk about what happened in the sports books over the weekend. US Integrity is his company. What is going on, my man? TC, how are we doing? We're doing good, man. We are doing good. Uh the favorites cash big time. I believe the count yesterday Matt was what 14 out of the 16 games, the favorites. I know the books were crying a little bit saying it was the biggest day for the players in quite some time, uh, crushing defeats at the sports books. Uh, is that what we're buying here? Yeah, and I don't think there was an
2: underdog. Oh, oh, yeah, the New York Giants. So other than the New York Giants, I don't think an underdog won a game.
0: You mean outright you're talking about? Oh,
2: right. I think the only game that the underdog actually won outright was the Giants, and they were only a two-and-a-half-point underdog.
0: Yeah, that that is true. Well, that depends. If you uh, consider the Buffalo Bills getting three and a half at kickoff, <laughs> you know they were the underdog uh, when the game closed. And let's talk about that line, man. This thing opened at my at, at three, three and a half. Some books earlier in the week, and then all of a sudden, come come Saturday night, this line is uh, is trickling down a little bit to around two, and then come Sunday morning, a lot of people got information that Josh Allen wasn't going to play. And the Dolphins go to a three, three three-and-a-half-point favorite. It's crazy to see a seven-point swing like this.
2: Yeah, that information obviously wasn't accurate, as Allen did play, or at least a portion of the game, throwing three touchdowns. Uh, Matt Barkley came in and polished off the second half, but it didn't matter who was playing in the second half because Miami was so far behind, that defense had given up.
1: Yeah. Atrocious. You you know, we talked about that game a lot um, going into this weekend. And the fact that Tua was not only going to be the quarterback, but they wouldn't have Fitzpatrick not only as the backup, but also as kind of that coach on the sideline and somebody that could talk to the young quarterback as well. Do you think that played a big part in the way that that game ended up playing out?
2: I do. I I think mentally Tua wasn't ready for the big game and and just the fact that there were talks about even playing Fitzpatrick as the starter in that game that has to wear on the young the young rookie's mind as well as the mind of some of the players there that once they knew that you know there was no other option it was going to have to be Tua. Uh, I think it played on everybody's mind and then when he came out and played so poorly with all the interceptions they're kind of like oh here we go and you know it was it was such a blowout, so quick. I mean, twenty-eight-six at halftime. That so you could see, they just had nothing left in the tank.
0: Yeah, you can see that. All right, Matt. Let's talk about the Browns' victory yesterday over the Steelers. A game where you know the Browns were a ten-point favorite. They were really cruising in this game, and all of a sudden, Pittsburgh comes storming back with Mason Rudolph and they have a chance actually to tie it. And if Rudolph makes a better pass to Claypool, or maybe goes a different option, maybe even runs the ball in. We got overtime. Maybe the, the the Steelers win this game over the Browns, but they're eleven and five. Are, are we buying the Browns?
2: No, I don't think we are buying the Browns. Although it's going to be interesting. So despite the fact that there was no Big Ben and Cleveland, I mean, Pittsburgh didn't take this game serious, they still almost beat the Browns yesterday, which would have been their 13th straight win over the Browns. I mean, there's something there. And now Cleveland has to you know, turn around and play this team again. I think if anything, Pittsburgh gained confidence out of that game where, hey, we weren't even trying. We almost beat you guys. We beat you earlier in the year. They have to feel pretty good going into this playoff game. I guess if you're a Browns fan, the only solace is: look, you made the playoffs for the first time in 18 years.
0: You know, in the Brown, rather the Steelers have been really bad over the last month of the season, and they've lost four out of their last five games. This is a team that is now a three and a half point favorite just because they're playing at Heinz Field next weekend, and we know that really home field doesn't have that much cachet right now. I'm just wondering: are the bookmakers aware of this? Because the way the Browns are playing compared to the Steelers uh, the last few weeks of the season, I've, I firmly believe the wrong team is favored.
2: Well, I don't know about that. Did you watch that New York Jets
0: game? No, I, I did watch that game. But, I, again, I, you know, I go back to the way the Browns played against the Titans. And I know they took the foot, their oh, foot the off the Titans, gas.
2: They gave up 47 yeah. points to the Ravens yeah. two weeks
0: prior to that. Well, the Ravens, yeah, play, playing well. but. Pittsburgh, even yesterday, I mean, they're still not showing anything offensively. And the only reason that, you know, they got 28 basically all in the second half the week before against the Colts. Uh I know Pittsburgh has been playing yeah.
2: well, DC, but I think the biggest misconception in football was that Cleveland was playing amazing. They had, Let's go through their games real quick to end the season. 10-7, a three-point win over the hapless Texans who give up 50 to everyone. 22-17 to at home against Philly, so they barely beat Philly. 27-25 against the Jags. Boy, that looks great, a one-win team right. that you barely beat. 41-35 at Tennessee. So a six-point win at the Titans. That's the big game everyone points to. You give up 47 to the Ravens. You beat the Giants in a clunker 20-6. to Again, no offense. Lose to the Jets 23-16 to and almost lose to a Steelers team who wasn't even trying? It's hard for me to look at that and go, boy, look at that game. You know, out of those games, where do you point to and say, man, Cleveland's playing great? I just don't see
0: it. Well, like I said, I mean, I'll go to the Titans game, but that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying, this is more of a play against the Steelers. And I think the Steelers, if it's not going to be next weekend, if the Steelers survive in advance, then it's going to be the week after. But the Steelers. Look like they, they they're not a playoff team, and there's nothing to get excited about with Russell, with Roethlisberger or without him. I just think this team is void of offense. all the injuries on the defense have really caught up with this team, and I think that's, that's where I'm going with this. And now they have a they have a home game, and I don't like Cleveland either. I don't like Mayfield, but what I but the eye test tells me Matt is that especially offensively, Cleveland is a much better team than the Steelers offensively right now.
2: I, I look, I don't disagree with you. There's no way I lay the points with, with Pittsburgh here. I just think that Cleveland's getting a little bit too much love, um, you know, for for the fact that they won, you know, five of, of seven coming down the road. But we just looked at many of those wins, not very impressive, right. and losing to the Jets, uh, not very impressive. At the end of the day, I agree, though. I think Buffalo will absolutely steamroll Pittsburgh in the second game. We saw this matchup already a few weeks ago where Buffalo easily handled Pittsburgh. I could see that happening again if the Steelers get by the Browns.
1: You know, I know there's the old saying, there's no such thing as moral victories in football, but I'm kind of on the page with you here a little bit, Matt, and the fact that, you know, because the Steelers, they did actually come back and almost win that game. Now they get Cleveland, the same team, at home with their starting quarterback. And like we mentioned here, they have a tremendous record against them recently. I mean, I think that Pittsburgh got exactly what they wanted for the first-round matchup against Cleveland because I think they have the ultimate confidence in them. As far as moving on past that, well, you've got to take it one game at a time. I don't think they're going to be around that super long in the playoffs either, but as far as Cleveland goes, I don't think that Pittsburgh could have asked for a better matchup from a, from a mental standpoint.
2: I'm with you, Frank. Look, the last time these two teams played this season at Heinz Field, 38-7 Pittsburgh- Pittsburgh had won 12 straight games prior to this Sunday, and almost won in a game they weren't even trying in. I think all the momentum, although it doesn't feel like it because their offense struggled so greatly at the end of the year, I think the momentum is squarely on the Pittsburgh Steelers side here.
0: Yeah, and I think let's be fair though; that 38 to seven was a long time ago uh, as well, too. And Pittsburgh was a much different team. But I think the Browns are a much different team. And again, I want to be clear here, guys. I'm, I'm not a Mayfield guy at all. I do like their running game. I think they're they are. Still question marks on the defense side of the ball, but again, I just don't like this Pittsburgh team. What we're seeing, and every week, maybe because I was on them, you know, during that losing streak, and every week I thought I was going to give them the benefit of the doubt, and they were going to come back, and they're come back, and they were just so ugly to watch offensively. And I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm carrying that over. And yesterday, yeah, they played very, very loose. Tomlin said, "Hey, you know, we're 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 going to rest our guys," and uh, like you said, they nearly, you know, they nearly pulled off the upset. Matthew Holtz joins us, for U.S. Integrity. Let's take a look ahead here as we look at the super Saturday, I guess, so the super wild card with three games on Saturday and three on Sunday. And let's talk about the Colts and the Bills. Uh, the Colts, they were life and death to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars to get that revenge. Uh, Jacksonville comes into this game yesterday Matt with a what Dave, a 14-game losing streak. Now it's 15. Doug Marone's fired. And then the Bills look like the hottest team on the planet right now. Lane 7 at home where fans will actually be in Buffalo. 6,700 of them. So uh, break out the crazy Buffalo Bills, uh, Bills Mafia fans, and the tailgate party. It's all going to be happening. Uh, what do you think? Can, Buff- can Buffalo write their own score here?
2: Look, I've been a Bills backer all year long. I actually have a bet with a famous handicapper on a Fox sports show uh, from a few months back where he gave me 30 to one for 200 bucks right. on the Buffalo Bills. So I got a lot of reasons to be rooting for the Buffalo Bills this time of year. Look, I don't love the the way the Indianapolis Colts closed the season. I know they won four of their last five, but again, failed to cover against Jacksonville failed to cover both games against the Houston Texans one score game playing Houston 20, 20- in that time frame, and then that one win over the Raiders, and they're the only team to lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers in the last six weeks, so I'm not sure I'm in love with the way this team's playing. I do like the fact that this running game has picked it up a little bit. What we saw the second half of the year was what what this offense can look like with a healthy Jonathan Taylor in it. And, boy, what a difference he made, 11 touchdowns on the ground, over 1,150 yards rushing. But I think Phillip Rivers still turns the ball over a little bit too much for me. I like the coaching staff and Frank Reich. I think they're going to give Buffalo a run for their money for a while but what concerns me about the, the Indianapolis Colts here is their defense. This defense has been getting scored on by everybody and anybody, and I think at the end of the day, in a shootout, they just don't have the firepower to keep up with Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills
0: offense. And you're right, that defense is not the same defense that we are accustomed to seeing the better part of you know the first three quarters of the season. And I think when you, when you look at a playoff game in Buffalo, in the elements, I think the total is going to catch some people's eyes, 52, and it's probably up there because of what you just said about the Colts defense, but Buffalo's got a pretty darn good defense too. Do you think this total is is a little bit high and that a lot of people might hit the under here?
2: The problem is Buffalo just scores and scores and scores up there. And um, at, at the end of the day, we'll see. I do like the fact that Tre'Davious White came back for Buffalo. They they were really short on cornerbacks for most of the season. That secondary was really banged up, and thus early in the year, people were able to score on Buffalo and they had to win shootouts. But that defense is playing a lot better since White came back from injury, and that offense is almost unstoppable the way it's been playing. You have you know the leading receiver in the NFL a guy who's probably going to finish third in the MVP balloting this is a re- two or three running backs that are all healthy the good news for the bills They are all, I mean, it's all systems go. Everybody's healthy. They have no key injuries. You know, Cole Beasley's a little banged up, but he's probably going to be fine and play. And outside of that, everybody's there for Buffalo. You want to be healthy this time of year, and the Bills are, and that makes them really dangerous.
0: All right, Rams and Seahawks, and talk about a team that's not healthy right now, especially at the quarterback position as the Rams. Jared Goff, you know, with that uh, broken thumb or thumb injury, uh, screws Uh, put into his thumb Uh, uh, Sean McVay thinks he'll be able to play but I'm not counting on that Wolford got the start yesterday he's probably going to have to start again they're playing the Seahawks in Seattle Seattle a five-point choice here this will be the third time these guys have played they played a couple weeks ago up in Seattle and and Seattle got the job done Uh, what do you think happens here?
2: hard to make a case to take the Rams here, but that defense is so good. And Aaron Donald, to me, is the best defensive player in football, at least this season. He certainly should win defensive player of the year. But at the end of the day, this is whether it's Wofford or, or Goff, this offense cannot afford to make any mistakes because I don't think either of those quarterbacks is going to be able to score enough points. So they're going to have to lean on their defense. Aaron Donald in that defense is going to have to create turnovers. They're going to have to make plays. And let's face it, the Seattle Seahawks offense, I mean, halfway through the year, eight weeks into the season, Russell Wilson was minus. 300 to win the NFL MVP. Going into last week, he was 300 to 1. So from a minus 300 favorite... To the to 300-1, oh, how the times have changed. The Seahawks offense hasn't really got going. They did win 26-23 this past Sunday, but they hadn't scored for most of that game. They only scored 20 against the Rams, 20 against Washington. They had a 17-12 loss to the Giants. You look at the last eight weeks for the Seattle Seahawks offense, and it really hasn't been there at all. I think everyone just assumes it's going to show up in the playoffs, but look, they also don't have the 12th man that stadium is known for its 12th man it's known for how loud they get without fans there I'm not sure this one has to be the blowout that everyone thinks it is but the whoever the Rams quarterback is this week whether it's Wofford or Goff they can't turn the football over
1: you mentioned the fact that um, Seattle's offense went from being a juggernaut early on and seems kind of figuring on a little bit, and the Rams do have that tough defense. It seems to me from what I've seen of Seattle, they've, teams have made a concentrated effort to try to shut down Metcalf a little bit. He's still making some catches in that, but not like he was early on. Are there enough weapons there for uh, Russell Wilson to use outside of Metcalf if he's got to spread the ball around against a pretty good defense?
2: You know, that's an interesting thought. Obviously, everyone's going to say, well, what about Tyler Lockett? He had 100 receptions this year, even more than Metcalf, uh, although Metcalf was, you know, he had the same amount of touchdowns as Metcalf. The reason I think Seattle's going to be in pretty good shape here is what started their funk when we saw kind of the beginning of that big offensive funk they went through was injuries to the running back position. You know, Carlos Hyde, Chris Carson, DJ Dallas, they were all banged up for a while, Luckily now it does look like Chris Carson, who has been playing, is finally fully healthy. Uh, Carlos Hyde, who's been battling the flu, should be fine. DJ Dallas still has a ding done, you know, a dinged ankle, but I think he's going to play. But. Uh, You know, you bring up a good point. They have a lot of guys on the injury report this week, including their their, their starting safety, really important, Jamal Adams, their tight end, Greg Olson. A lot of guys banged up for the Seattle team. Um, It's going to be interesting. I'm hesitant. Look, the number looks easy. Oh, look, uh, Goff's hurt. They're going to have to play John Wofford again, who wasn't even in the NFL last year. and. But it just looks scary to me, the way that the Seattle's offense has been playing lately, to delay that
0: five points. Yeah, we know Seattle plays a ton of close games as well, too. It doesn't matter home or on the road. Matthew Holt joins us from U.S. Integrity. The final game on Saturday, the Buccaneers against Washington. And uh, the, uh, the Bucks an eight-point choice. Uh, they've been putting it into high gear lately. Brady and company. Uh, Antonio Brown's coming into his own. Uh, this Tampa Bay team could be a little bit scary. Again, I've had some questions about them, especially offensively. But last few weeks, Mac, uh, it looks like these guys are turning on. And they're playing against a team that is below five hundred. and lucky to be in the playoffs.
2: I know, and look, it's so funny that the coach of this team was also the coach of the last under 500 team to get sure. in, Ron Rivera, who coached the Carolina Panthers in 2011, the last time we had a sub-500 team get in. Uh, included, and we've had what? I mean, the 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 scary thing is if you look at the last two times this has happened, Uh, The Carolina Panthers and the Seattle Seahawks, they both won a game, though. That's the scariest part. Everyone counted them out. Everyone laughed at them for even being in the playoffs. And then they both went out and won their first game. So it's going to be interesting to see. I think it's certainly the case here where everyone is counting out this Washington team again. We're talking about a team that has scored 13 points against the Panthers, 15 against Seattle three weeks ago. They have not been able to score at all. They looked pretty helpless on offense again. Uh, Sunday night, they really got helped out by a Philly team that didn't seem to be trying at all and and put in a third-string quarterback and turned the ball over on three straight possessions. But, you know, I don't know about this one. History says that the team with a losing record actually shows up the first game in this spot. But, But on paper, these two, this game isn't close. So, tough game to figure out. Do you think
1: part of that reason is because maybe they're playing with house money a little bit? Nobody does expect anything from them. They're playing loose and just almost happy to be in the playoffs. Like you mentioned, you could argue maybe it should be the Giants that are in the playoffs and not Washington because of what Philadelphia did in that game last night.
2: Absolutely. And look, at the end of the day, there's one thing we know about Tom Brady, if you're going to slow him down, is that it's the ability to get interior pressure and move him off his spot. And look, Washington has three really good pass rushers. They're probably going to get pressure. So it's possible that if they can get some pressure, move Tom Brady off that spot, turn this into a defensive game, uh, then they're going to have a shot in this one, you know. The, and and look, Alex Smith had some, uh, you know, unconventional turnovers in his last one—a tip ball, a receiver fell down. Those things probably aren't going to happen again. Washington's offense may be anemic, but they usually don't kill themselves with turnovers. You know, I think there's a possibility that this one turns into a low-scoring slugfest, and Tampa Bay could win 23 to 17 or something. Eight feels like a lot of points. Uh, Despite the fact that these two do seem to be pretty far apart on paper.
0: All right, we'll be handicapping all of these games during the course of the week, uh, specifically on Friday at the Cosmopolitan. Those are the uh, Saturday games. Real quick, Matt, the Sunday games got Baltimore, Tennessee, Baltimore, three and a half point road choice here, Bears at the Saints, Saints favored by 10, and then the Browns, Steelers, which we've already talked about, Pittsburgh favored by 4. Any of those games, trick your trigger?
2: I like the way that uh, Mitchell Trubisky was playing. He didn't play great in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter against the Green Bay Packers. But if you look at the last month since Foles went down and Trubisky took back over the starting quarterback position in Chicago, you have to like what you've seen out of the young man. So I don't know that they can't hang within 10. I don't necessarily think they can get the win over the Saints, but I'm not sure they have to get blown out either. And I'll tell you, I feel bad for Tennessee because I don't know that there's any team I'd want to play less right now in round one than the Baltimore Ravens.
0: Give me a hot team for a future odds that we're looking, because obviously the future odds continue all the way during the regular season, but then now they're reset to who's going to win the Super Bowl. Is there one team that you'd say, hey, this is a live dog? Uh,
2: I think, you. I mean, look Tennessee beat Baltimore last year. They seem to have the formula on ha- on how to do it. If they beat Tennessee, they gave Kansas City a heck of a run last year. This is a really hot and cold Tennessee Titans team. But I love what Rabel's doing. I love what he brings to the table. Their defense has been terrible for the last six weeks. But you never know. They went on a run last year. It's not impossible that they do it again. If you're looking for a real long, long shot, you could do a heck of a lot worse than the Tennessee Titans.
0: All right. My man, we appreciate the time as always. Uh, take care, be good, and hopefully, uh, we'll talk to you towards the end of the week. Thanks, guys. Best of luck this week. Take care. There he is, Matthew Holt, U.S. Integrity, also a very good follow on uh, Twitter as well. Look, you know, six games in these playoffs and a lot of good competitive matchups, only one double digit favorite. We've got a lot to talk about this week. I'm looking forward to all these games.
1: Yeah, definitely. And and the one thing, too, and and I know that I talk about the Bears a lot because I watch the Bears a lot, but uh, I'm also curious what New Orleans' situation is going to be at running back because we know that basically they didn't have any running backs in that last game. They still won. And um, uh, Matt mentioned how much better Trubisky's played in the last month or so. A lot of that's because of the running of Montgomery. No doubt. When you have a running game to open things up, can make life a little bit easier.
0: All right, a couple quick hit notes here. Uh the NCAA tournament, they're gonna play it all in one location or at least one city, surrounding areas in Indianapolis. All 68 teams will come to compete there. They'll use Butler University, the Hinkle Fieldhouse, Bankers Life Fieldhouse, where the Pacers, you know, play, and then maybe even Purdue and West Lafayette. So uh they're gonna go with a bubble type of format. Uh so looking forward uh, to that.
1: Yeah, and we'd heard rumour that that was going to be the case, yep. so I don't think that's a huge So it's official. We'll
0: talk more about this this week, and you got some quick AHL news with the
1: Yeah, it looks like the Silver, Silver Knights, Knights will have a season. Uh, the Golden Knights just sent out a uh, press release saying that, essentially, there are 28 teams that will be competing in the AHL this year, so uh, we'll uh, report more on that as we get more information on it. But it looks like the uh, Silver Knights will uh, start their inaugural season
0: in Henderson, actually at the Orleans Arena this there, year. That's true. All right, and the Golden Knights... Uh, Training camp start today. today so yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: I was watching some of it before coming in here.
0: There you go. All right, we're back at it again tomorrow. I want to thank Steve Burline, Matthew Holt for joining us. Ballpark Frank, Numbchuck, yours truly. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website at tcmartinshow.com. We'll see you tomorrow at 2 for a terrible Tuesday.